and welcome to our listeners. We are glad that you can join us in this new episode of Positively Pro-Life podcast. Positively Pro-Life is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and aims to bring you inspirational stories and conversation, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we seek to restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm your host, Ramu Tani, the Education Director at the Federation, and I have our Legislative Director, Maria Gallagher, to co-host with me. Welcome, Maria, to the show. Thank you so much, Remel. It's great to be with you today. It's great to have you. Uh, traditionally, men have been defenders and protectors in our societies. But with the rise of radical feminism, I think this masculine trait has, in a sense, been threatened and endangered, especially in human rights issues like abortion, Championing abortion as a women's right issue, the abortion industry has silenced many men from speaking out and engaging in this debate simply because they are men. But we know that men are essential to this fight and have a very important role in preserving and protecting the life of the unborn. There are individuals and groups working to build a pro-life culture from the grassroots, educating boys and young men on their roles in the pro-life movement. Starting in 2018, Men for Life has been involved in education, advocacy, and activism. And in a little while, we are interviewing a member from your team to learn more about their work. But for now, Maria has some very important legislative updates, especially about real alternatives. Thank you so much, Remel. Linda was a teenager when she discovered she was pregnant. Rather than receiving support from those around her, she experienced condemnation and pressure to abort her precious child. I found myself pregnant at 16 years old and everyone that I thought loved me was screaming at me to get an abortion, Linda writes. I had no intention of killing my baby, so I moved out on my own and worked double shifts at a hotel cleaning rooms. That baby is now 42 years old and has given me three beautiful grandchildren, Linda added. Linda came forward in the wake of news that Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro plans to end the Commonwealth's contract with Real Alternatives. Real Alternatives runs PA's award-winning Pregnancy and Parenting Support Services Program, which has served an astounding 350,000 women during its 27-year history. Women in the Commonwealth will undoubtedly suffer if the governor's ill-conceived plan is put into action. The program funds pregnancy resource centers, maternity homes, and adoption agencies throughout PA. Without the vital services the program provides, pregnant women will be left to fend for themselves. That abandonment would mean these women would not have the comprehensive counseling and support they require during their pregnancies. The program is essentially a one-stop shop for pregnant women in challenging circumstances, offering them the, the mentoring and encouragement necessary to obtain proper prenatal care, while baby care, and other essential services. Meanwhile, Linda says, if she had caved into pressure and had had an abortion, I would have missed so much. She says that fact fuels her passion to fight for Real Alternatives contract. Let us honor Linda and other women 
by sending an immediate message to PA state lawmakers, calling on the legislature to work to save a program that provides hope to thousands of pregnant women. You can send your message by visiting www.paprolife.org. That's www.paprolife.org. Remmel. Wow, that is such a brave story. And I think that serves as inspiration as well today. Our guest today is Jacob Tonglet from Men for Life, the world's only consistently pro-life organization focused on the inclusion of men in human rights discussions, focused on the, con focused on the conversation of abortion. They do this through educational presentations, social demonstrations, public awareness campaigns, and more. Jacob serves as the Director of Outreach and External Relations at Men for Life, and he has been involved with the pro-life movement since his college days, and currently also serves Louisiana Right to Life as the Youth Programs Director. I am really looking forward to this conversation today, so welcome to Positively Pro-Life podca Podcast, Jacob. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. Um, I think the first thing we want, uh, we want to hear from you is about Men for, Men for Life. Uh, how this began and what does it do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll start off by just, you know, going over our mission statement, because I think that is uh, a great um, beginning to our discussion today. So our mission statement reads, our mission is to protect and expand human rights by encouraging men to be informed, active, and purposeful defenders of life. Um, so uh, back in 2018, um, this organization was founded by T.J. Burgess, who is our current CEO um, and executive director. He um, he founded it actually when he was a sophomore in high school. So that's one thing that like a lot of people don't really realize is how grassroots our effort really was uh, and is still. Um, so he realized from a very early age that men just seem to not have um, a very loud voice in this movement. And so he founded Men for Life as a way of, you know, expounding upon our rights as men to be able to talk about this very crucial issue of life. Um, so going back to the three points in our mission statement, informed, meaning that we want our engagers, whether they be um, men or women or anyone in the world uh, to be informed about the issues on life. Um, we want them to be active in their mission of fighting for the right to life and purposeful defenders of life, meaning that we want, uh, we want their intentions to be focused on not only the child, which we absolutely need to care about in this issue, but also um, the woman in need uh, in crisis, and also the men in crisis, because uh, oftentimes when we talk about unplanned pregnancies, we talk about uh, women in crisis, but the reality is there's also a man in crisis as well with every pregnancy. So um, that's kind of a little bit about Men for Life. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of, I guess, an overview of who we are. Well, thank you so much for that overview. Now, can you tell us how did you come to be involved in Men for Life? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I believe it was in um, 20, 
the end of 2020, the beginning of 2021, um, when I really became a board member of Men for Life. But my journey with Men for Life began before that. So um, TJ, uh, who is our again our our CEO and executive director, uh, has been uh, a great friend of mine and a voice in Louisiana, where we're both located in the pro life movement. Um, and so I had always been. Uh, since 2018, a vocal supporter of Men for Life. Um, at the beginning, it was, you know, more just like sharing social media posts and just, you know, talking to people about like, oh, this great organization. Uh, once I had graduated college and had, you know, steady income, becoming a donor in that way. Um, and just like it evolved into a process of TJ one day reaching out to me over uh, a text message really and saying like, Hey, um, with your background, I would love for you, uh, not only in the pro-life movement, but also, uh, just in like your working world and, and being able to outreach to people as well as, uh, initially I was also the director of finance. So, um, being able to use some of the backgrounds that I came up with with college to help the organization. And he asked me to be on the board um, because there was a board position open from somebody stepping down. Um, and I just, I didn't know what to say at first. And I was just like, uh, can I think about it? <laughs> and um, so it became, um, you know, one of those things that, um, I don't know, like over the next few days, I, I personally just prayed on it and tried to figure out like what um, what my mission would be in Men for Life, you know, because this is such a it shouldn't be, but it sounds so controversial. Um, and so, like, I wanted to kind of reflect on is that something that I'm ready to get involved with uh, in a in a much more like on the ground way? Uh, ultimately, after a few days, I came to the conclusion that, yes, I, I do think I should uh, pursue this avenue and be on this board. Um, so, you know, over the last two and a half years or so, um, being on this board, I've been able to um, really just outreach to a lot of men that I didn't even realize had such strong passion in this movement, but also men that I didn't realize had so much hurt from uh from being victims of abortion themselves um and we go into other topics besides just abortion but that is clearly one of our main focuses um and you know like one of the statistics that just kind of hooked me and and kept me going um was the fact that um there's a statistic that in 2010 82 percent of men whose partners had an abortion knew about the procedure ahead of time, you know, because growing up, I had always um, kind of like thought of abortion as like an issue of, oh, the men are like not even present, like they're just not involved. But coming to realize like a lot of times the men are involved and still uh, a child is lost because of abortion. So um, that's, I guess, a, a, a long answer of how I became involved in Men for Life. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think that Remo has a question, but we can't hear her. So let's oh. see if we can hear her now. 
Yeah, I was saying that you brought up such a, a few really good points there. And I mean, first of all, the, your courage to say yes and, and you know, journey with other men uh, and in, especially in their hood. Uh, but you you talked about how you reach out, not just, I mean, this is not the only issue, but reach out in other areas as well. And I'm, and I think one of it is also about restoring authentic masculinity and what yes. that looks like, educating people about that. So can you um, just tell us what does that look like? Yeah, so authentic masculinity to me looks um, looks like being a supporter being there and being a protector as well. So when we talk about, you know, family units and things like that, we talk about how, you know, men and women, while having, you know, very equal roles in the family, their roles tend to also look a little bit different. Uh, and that's just the the nature of any relationship. Like no, no two people can do the exact same thing and the relationship work very well. Um, so like, People have to have different, you know, things like I, I, I go back to my own family unit, like my parents growing up, um, like one of my dad's things was he took out the trash. My mom didn't want to take out the trash. Right. Uh, but my mom helped in other ways, like doing the dishes or different things like that. So oftentimes we think of masculinity and we think of things like the world talking about this idea of toxic masculinity. Um, and I think the world sees toxic masculinity as something negative, as something to be avoided. And because it's coming from this place of like control, this idea of like men are controlling women. Uh, but the way that I want to uh, look at authentic masculinity is very opposed to that idea. And the fact that uh, authentic masculinity isn't such of controlling your partner, or, like your uh your wife or your girlfriend or whoever in the situation, but rather that uh, authentic masculinity looks like somebody who, a man who steps up for, for his family and protects them at all costs, making sure that they uh, are provided for, that they, you know, have the environment that they need in order to succeed, um, an environment of support. So when things happen in a family, uh, being uh, able to be there as a voice of reason, to be able to um, to not just say, this is what we're going to do, but rather to sit with your family and talk it out and to say like, okay, like, what are we going to do, right? Because a lot of times, you know, especially when we're talking about a topic like abortion, uh, we talk about the fact that uh, a lot of times, like in an abortion situation, we we've heard a lot of stories where men will say, well, I, I talked to my girlfriend or my wife and I was like, what do you want to do? And oftentimes this kind of phrasing of what do you want to do about it um, puts the pressure on the woman and it doesn't take any responsibility uh, in, in that. And it says uh, rather than let's talk about this, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about the positives, what we can do it throws all the pressure on, okay, it's your problem, you know? So mm -hmm. as opposed to this toxic masculinity of, you know, being on the, the, the backside, like kind of being behind the scenes and saying like, Oh, like she has, you know, she can do whatever. Right. Like, I don't really care. Um, our, our idea of authentic masculinity is such that um, men and women are truly equal. And that 
we all have a say in what goes on in our lives. So that's that's how that's what I would say authentic uh, masculinity looks like. Thank you for that definition. Now, how do you go about engaging in dialogue with other men? Yeah, absolutely. So um, with this topic, it's so difficult, right? A lot of times because a lot of times men are forced into this silence um, where they don't feel like they even have an opportunity to talk about these issues. Um, So one of the things that we have done over the last uh, year or so is putting together a a testimony document series, uh, documentary series, where we actually allow men and women in in some of our cases to share their stories, um, to bring to light things that you know happen in their lives um right now we have two episodes live uh that you can watch on our website uh but the um the way that i would say dialoguing with men is is opening with an understanding of it's okay to dialogue it's okay to have a conversation because oftentimes men feel so silenced that they feel like they can't even dialogue Now, one of the things that I've done over the years, and this is going even back before I was technically on the board for Men for Life, um, is at abortion clinics, talking specifically to the men that bring their girlfriends, their wives, whoever, their their daughters, their, you know, whoever that they're bringing to the abortion clinic. Because oftentimes, like, a male figure in their life is bringing them to the clinic. Um, So... Oftentimes I would like to, I liked to have conversations with the men there and just talk to them about like, okay, like what is, what is your relationship to the the person? Like um, what conversations have you had? You know, like, how do you feel about the situation? Cause a lot of times just the idea of telling them that they're allowed to have an opinion, right? They're allowed to just have as something as simple as like, what do you think about the situation? opens up the conversation of a lot of men like i've seen a lot of situations where men will bring their girlfriends their wives their daughters their sisters whoever to the abortion clinic as a support mechanism saying like well i'll support whatever decision but like they actually don't agree with the decision so like oftentimes they're you know crying or or just like distraught and um you know engaging in that dialogue of like just like coming from a place of listening and saying, what, what do you want to talk about here? Like, how do you feel about this? Um, that's, that's how I think dialoguing with men comes from is coming from a place of listening first, understanding the situation and responding with compassion and care. Because a lot of times it's like, oftentimes in the pro-life movement, we get caught in the idea of like the, the, the child dies, which is absolutely true. But we get caught in this understanding of like caring so much about the unborn that we forget that the people involved are also people. So the the mothers, the fathers, whoever are also people. So just engaging in the compassion of acknowledging their humanity as well. With that, I just I'm going to uh, throw out a few abortion slogans. I mean, the ones that are very loud right now. A lot of people have been using it. We see those in marches. Um, they're like quick hitters and, and they kind of like stop us from having a conversation. So uh, what would your quick responses to these be? Some of the first one is my body, my choice. So the way that I, you know, typically talk about this is um, 
you know, this idea of we oftentimes, no matter if we're men, women, if we're, you know, no, no matter what race, race or ethnicity we are, no matter what, we have a limitation to our bodies. And that comes into play when we affect the rights of others. So, for example, um, if I was driving a car, I can't just barrel into people just because, you know, it's my body. I can do what I want with it. So we have laws to protect against harming another person. So that's um, always my, my quick response to my body, my choice. And that that works for all people, not just men to talk about it. OK, well said. Mm -hmm. No, you choose no opinion. That's so, the new one. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I've heard this so much. And uh, I go back to the understanding of uh, oftentimes it takes somebody outside of the class being discriminated against in order to bring about change. So what I mean by that is, is if we go back to the understanding of slavery and civil rights, oftentimes the people that were affected disproportionately because of them that were being discriminated against um, didn't have the voice to be able to do anything about it. So it oftentimes took like um, a free person or, um, you know, somebody who's a white or whatever to um, go in and affect change at the level of um, fixing things. And so like, we wouldn't say that, you know, a white person doesn't have the right to not be racist or not be um, anti-slavery. So um we go back to the idea of that abortion as a human rights violation. Um, and because it's a human rights violation, that not just men, not just women, but all people have a right to talk about abortion. Okay, the next one is not really a slogan, but I think that's the general idea that people mm -hmm. have when men get involved. Uh, Anti-abortion is pro-patriarchy. Is it true? Yeah, so often... Oftentimes we hear this talk about the patriarchy when it comes to abortion, because a lot of times I think we we come society comes at it from an understanding of, you know, this is a women's issue um, and therefore anything against abortion would be pro patriarchy. But uh, the way that I look at it is oftentimes men are um, the ones actually getting the most out of abortion so like for instance uh we have a statistic that says one third of all abortions are perpetrated because of partner related reasons so these are uh, men essentially forcing women to have abortions so that they don't have the uh what they would consider negative side effects of a pregnancy and having a child um so when people talk about anti-abortion as pro-patriarchy i would I would like to push back on that idea and say that actually being pro-abortion is being pro-patriarchy because, uh, number one, we look at the fact that the Roe decision in 1973 was decided upon by an all-male co all, all court. There was not yeah. a single woman on that court. So um, when we talk about just the, the fact that the history of abortion is perpetrated by men. Um, and then when we talk about today's society that there are so many uh, pro-abortion men out there for the sole reason of being able to stay in control. Um, and I would call that the patriarchy, not 
the fact that uh, a woman's body is designed to have a child. Um, I, I think that, you know, when you're going against nature, when you're going against the design of the body, um, I mean, what's the most pro-woman thing in the world? The most pro-woman thing in the world is the ability to have a child. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would say that abortion is actually patriarchal, not the pro-life cause. What's the best way for men to offer help to a pregnant woman? Yeah, absolutely. So um, knowing your resources in your local area is probably the number one thing. So, um, you know, offering help. So like every, you know, every area is going to have different places, different pregnancy centers, different um, help centers, different psychological and mental health places that are going to be able to help them. But it does no good if the women that are in crisis don't know where to go. So the best way for men to uh, re really be able to help women is to first and foremost, know where those resources are in your local communities. Um, and that's something that um, we've tried very hard to engage in um, helping each individual person find a place in their local area. Um, but it's, you know, every place is going to be you know, a little bit different. Um, I think the other uh, way of of uh, offering help is just by simply supporting um, women out there, you know, just by being that, um, that rock and saying, like, I'm here for you. Um, and, you know, let let's figure this thing out together. We've got less than two minutes left. And I'm wondering, do you have any final thoughts for us? Yeah, so I would say that um, my final thought is, um, you know, first off, thank you all for letting me on here. But um, to all the men out there, um, we want to you to be able to step up and to be able to uh, share your stories if you have a story. So, um, you know, don't feel afraid to talk and to be vocal about your own life as well as people you know's lives. And to be able to share that uh, with the world because your stories are powerful and your stories could actually save a life. Um, it just takes, you know, one person who just never thought about that before to say, wow, your story is powerful in order for you to save a life, too. So um, that's how. And I think by sharing our stories and being vocal about this, we can move to a world where abortion is not just illegal, but also that abortion is unthinkable. Definitely true. We've been speaking with Jacob Tonglet from Men for Life. Thank you so much, Jacob, for being on Positively Pro-Life. Thank you so much. Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single-issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State with more than 40 local county-based chapters. We shine a spotlight on the most vulnerable individuals from the very dawn of life to the twilight of life. Thank you for joining us for the program today. It wouldn't be the same without you. We are grateful for your continuing support and encouragement. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.